Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, holistic visions for planet Earth. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's podcast, I'm hosting an interview with Liz Germain. Liz is the founder of Vidfluence Academy, one of the most sought after video marketing experts in the industry. As a YouTube partner and Next Up contest winner, Liz specializes in YouTube marketing, YouTube SEO, and YouTube advertising, as well as video marketing automation for growing online businesses. Liz has helped generate over 50 plus million organic views on YouTube, built multiple YouTube channels to over 100,000 subscribers, attracted tens of thousands of organic leads from those channels, and helped produce millions in sales in extremely competitive industries. Very excited to have her on the show. With these words, welcome Liz Jering. Thank you so much for having me. What an intro. I'm like, wow, did she really do all that? And I'm like, yeah, she did. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's why I'm having you on. I'm excited to talk about video. I'm excited to talk about marketing and like what is in us um, kind of nerdy millennials because I, I found that somewhere on your website that that's how you refer to yourself. And I, I love that because that's, that's how I'd refer to myself, actually. Um, and yet we, we, we are such an interesting generation. We're touching like literally millions and millions of people online with their, in their attention spans. So maybe let's start with the first question. Like, how did you, how did that all happen? Like, what kind of adversity did you face on the way to that kind of form of freedom? Well, that's a great question. And I'll try to, you know, keep it short because I could rattle off a million things that happened on the way, including synchronicities and weird stuff I never saw coming and all of that. But essentially, seven years ago, my sister and I, my real life sister and I started a health and fitness blog for women. And we started sharing content on social media. We started a WordPress blog and a Pinterest account and a YouTube channel. And what ended up happening was we originally started it to help serve the clients that we had at like personal training clients and people that were trying to get in shape when we lived in LA. And because we started sharing on Instagram, all of a sudden, that's a global platform. So we got women from South America, from Europe, from even parts of the Middle East, Australia, New Zealand, like just all over the world, asking us for more content, more healthy recipes, more workout ideas, things of that nature. And so we got the idea to put together a group challenge because there was no way we could manage all the messages coming in all from all over the place. So we did our first group challenge and we were hoping to get 10 people enrolled in that challenge. It was a strength training program for women. I, th I believe the first one we did was a six week long challenge. And we ended up having over 350 women sign up for it. Oh, and so, wow. yeah, shortly after that, about six months later, we were able to generate enough revenue by doing these group challenges to quit our, our in real life jobs <laughs> and just do online marketing full time. And so a few years back, my sister got married. She started a new business with her husband. And in that transition, I really had to look at you know, where is the biggest return on my investment for time, money, and energy? Like where are our sales coming from? So I did a full on company audit. So I just lost half the leadership team. My sister left to go start this new venture with her husband. And what I found was of all of the content that we had ever produced, not just for that year that she left, but for the entire five years prior, the top two leads and sales generating platforms for us or YouTube and Pinterest. And so I got really curious, why is that? And the thing that really differentiates those two platforms is that they're search engines. So what I learned in that, that audit is that, okay, we did the work once on these platforms and because of the searchability and evergreen nature of them and because they're search engines, 
we were able to continue to generate results using keyword-based content marketing. And it was very different than like Instagram and Facebook where you're having to continually post to stay relevant because those are time-bound platforms. And I like to call them slot machine apps. People are not necessarily on there to buy, buy programs or answer questions so, or get, a good metaphor, yeah. Yeah, get help with like problems and challenges that they're facing in their day-to-day life. They're just on their phone and they're scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through. So capturing attention in that time-bound type of platform can be a lot more challenging and a lot more expensive than just doing the work right and making sure that you understand how SEO works and how you can use keywords and tags and things like that to get your, your content, your video content, or whether it's on you know Pinterest or YouTube, doesn't really matter, to display when someone types in a search query on those platforms. So then I just basically went all in with that and I was like, you know what? screw it. I'm not doing anything else but this. <laughs> and ever since then, wow. a ton of people have, have asked, like I, in that transition year too, my sister, you know, went off and started this whole new thing. It's actually really challenging for me. Cause I'm like, do I want to keep doing this? What do I want to do? But luckily I had all this, you know, extra revenue coming in from program sales and YouTube revenue and all that. So I, I wasn't, I didn't have to like force myself into a, you know, a certain direction. I really wanted to wait until I was being pulled towards what am I supposed to do next? And so during that year, I took a lot of time off to go travel and explore myself and go to, you know, conferences and festivals like Envision where we met. Um, and people kept asking like how over and over people with big missions, with big visions who had a message that they wanted to share kept asking, well, how, how are you doing this? Like, how are you just traveling around you know, doing whatever you want. And I was like, well, YouTube, to be honest. And the secondary question is, how do you monetize that? How did you grow your channel? How do you get started with that? And I heard that question so many times. I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to help people with this because <laughs> people need help. They don't know how to do that stuff. And it's actually not that hard if you know how YouTube works. So that's essentially what I do now is, is help people grow and monetize YouTube. It's such a fascinating story and I want to like really highlight that like it's it's cool to hear that you started that with your family member with your sister but then actually she left and that made you look at it from a completely different angle and much more like the like straight up business approach or like it's, it's, so what works here and like what do people actually need um, because you know sometimes we assume we see stories of someone getting millions and millions of views that it's just like a lucky shot or like winning in the slot machine of attention right but there is like so much work and clarity and behind that as well in, in your case so I, I just love that, that that's part of, of your story what would you tell yourself now that you know what you know maybe like at the very beginning of that whole journey like what are like two to three like golden nuggets of wisdom that you could distill and you would have loved to know like seven years ago Oh man. Well, that's okay. Number one, I would say quality over quantity. I feel like there are so many platforms available to us today with social media and just the internet in general. And it can feel like a lot, a rat race trying to keep up with everybody. Um, but what I've really learned after doing this for seven years is that quality wins every time, every time. If you are the value that you're providing to the viewer or to whoever's interacting with you, no matter what the platform it doesn't really matter if your video production is like perfect, right? Mm. Of course that stuff helps, but if the value is inherent in what it is that you're teaching, you don't need to have fancy film equipment. You don't need to have a videographer. You can literally do this stuff on your phone. There was a girl about a month ago who made two videos from her phone of her, one was called how I shower in my van. She's a van lifer. 
And another one I think was like a day in the life of, you know, living in a van. And she got over 2 million or close to two, I think it's 1.2 million. She's probably close to 2 million at this point subscribers within a couple of weeks because the algorithm started boosting her content because the value that she was providing was entertaining and it was educational. Mm -hmm. And so I would say quality over quantity, make sure that you're always providing value for the other person. Um, the other thing I would say is less like simplicity is key with everything. If you're going to take the, go down the rabbit hole of starting an online business, keep it simple because there are just the same way. There's a million ways you can create content. There's a million ways that you can structure your business, but I highly recommend having tested pretty much every single type of <laughs> business model out there. My first business did high volume, low ticket. The second business is more high ticket, lower volume of people that I'm running through courses and stuff. Now just pick one thing and stick to it. Be simple with your approach. The less is always more. Um, so that kind of goes in line with quality over quantity. And what else would I say? You know, look at it from the long haul. If you're, if you don't have a 10 year vision, why even have a one year vision? You know what I mean? So for me, everything I do is about legacy. That's why I love YouTube too. It allows you to build a digital legacy. It's going to, your content is going to live there and be searchable and discoverable far beyond after your physical body dies. So what is the legacy? What is the why behind what you're doing? Because without that piece, without a 10 year, 50 year vision, without that, you're going to get overwhelmed because mm. it's a lot of work and it doesn't work right away. You got to be consistent with it. So it's really a long play. And that's where I think the digital legacy piece comes in to it. And what is, what is like your big lifetime vision that you want to leave after you die, you want people to still be able to find and know that was what my life meant. That was my contribution to society. I like it. I, I think that that legacy piece is something I want to unpack a little bit. So, well, for one, I mean, the, the logical follow-up question is like, what, what's yours? Like, what is the legacy that you've defined? But before, before you answer, like, I find it so interesting that, you know, in this world that is so fast changing, um, and we, we really are basically discovering like new technologies every five years that become like mass market or mainstream kind of technologies, like our wonderful, like, you know, cell phones right here. Um, how, how can it even be that people are consistently so like enraptured by all that, you know, like lost in the bubble of what's coming up? Because as you're saying, like, if you have a clear compass of what you're here to do, if you're connecting to that purpose a whole different outlook and maybe even um, the ability to step out of the rat race is, is possible. So I find it quite fascinating. And I do want to hear what's your legacy? Like what's your massively transformational purpose, Liz? I want people to know they can do literally whatever they want. As long as the internet is around, like you can carve your own path. So I find that my legacy is, is helping people really find, okay, what, who am I? What is it that I want to do? And then to empower them to actually go get it. If just one other person out there follows a dream like and goes after a moonshot goal because of me and there's been a lot more than one by the way up to this point <laughs> so going strong but even if just one other person mm. had a goal they were like i have no idea how i'm going to do this but then they did it and they started taking steps forward towards it because of me then i can die happy nice that's my legacy i want to help people Empowering do whatever is in their hearts yeah. 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 Like what, what is it? Like if you didn't have to, you know, worry about money or you didn't have to worry about 
all the daily stressors of life and tomorrow you just got to get up and do whatever it is that you want, what would be the impact that you would want to make? Okay, cool. How do we reverse engineer that and go after it? Cause you can now. 100%. And like, isn't that a question that, that, you know, we kind of wish that we, we were asked like really early in life. Let me, let me maybe ask one of my um, questions. I usually ask way later in the interviews, but I, I just I'm curious because it fits in so well. Like, if you were single-handedly or with a team or however able to change the education system, what would you do? Uh, well, first of all, I would definitely incorporate some financial knowledge into our system. I think it's ludicrous that we don't learn how to file taxes. We don't learn the basics of financial management. Um, so that'd be a big one because I think there's a huge disconnect and a huge problem with people's money mindsets and start that starts when you're very young. Cause you're never really educated about money unless your parents or your family choose, or you take it upon yourself to educate, mm. you know, yourself around financial planning and wealth management and stuff like that. It's not really something we're taught. And I think that's by design, but I don't want to get too much into conspiracy theories on here because you know, who really knows, but um, that would be a huge thing that I would incorporate. Also, problem solving. Like if there's a big problem that you're noticing, how do we empower people to come up with more, better solutions to that? I feel like in school and the way that the traditional education system is run right now, it's kind of just like, well, here are the answers or here's what happened. There's no, there's not as much of an emphasis on creative thinking and problem solving. So those would be two of the big things that I would personally put into the system if I were able to do that. I love it. So you just mentioned something, you, you, you mentioned the word conspiracy theories and let's just keep that in brackets and put it on, on, on pause there. But like, so there's clearly a lot going on in this world that is either not ideal or, or not, maybe not as, as, as you might wish for, wish for it or my, I might wish for it, but how are you staying consistently optimistic and like, how do you choose optimism in your life? Oh man, I really think that, so of course it's a daily choice, but I think it really comes down to my own, the relationships that I've chosen to cultivate and surround myself with because everyone, you know, we're all human unless there's robots listening to this, in which case, beep boop, beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're all human. So we're all going to have those days or those moments or those challenges where, you know, shit has the fan. Am I allowed to swear on this? You, you, can, you can say whatever okay. you want. That's going to happen. And I think it's been a, well, I don't think, I know it's been an intentional practice for me to surround myself with people who are able to remind me in those moments of who I really am and all the positive blessings that are actually going on at the same time that I might be overlooking. And by surrounding myself with people who live and, and think and breathe that same way, who are always, you know, looking for things to be grateful for, positive things that are also happening while shit's hitting the fan, mm. um, you know, just reminders of the love that surrounds all of us, the easier it has gotten for me over the last several years to do that for myself as well. And to be able to gift that to other people who maybe don't have exposure to that. But I think in summary, like having people around me who are living that same way uh, is, and not, it doesn't even need to be like in my personal network. Like I only follow social media accounts that are uplifting and positive in some way. Um, I have filtered my Facebook feed to only read the posts of people who I am inspired by and who live through creator consciousness. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's really important and it's up to us individually to cultivate, but once we do, it's easy to be able to spread that around to other people too. Hmm. 
I like that. Yeah. Optimism is, is like, it's, it's a tool, right? It's, it's a total gift. And I feel like it's a choice every day, actually, because there is a lot of shit hitting the fan, like, you know, like quote unquote, but at, at the same time, it's like, don't focus on what you don't want. Like it's the easiest lesson to learn. If you focus on something, it just becomes more. So would you say loneliness or anxiety or depression when those feelings or the, the beginning or the onset of those feelings are showing up or have showed up and I'm basically assuming that you're, you're a human and you, you have gone through cycles of emotions in your life. Do you, do you think relationships are like the best help that one can get? Friendships and, and, and relationships? I mean, every, everything in life is relationships. Business is relationships. Self-development is your relationship with yourself spirituality is your relationship with God. The entire point of life is relationships. At the end of the day, everything could blow up and you could have nothing left, but you still have the love in your heart with the people that you've been able to connect with. Even if that's just yourself, or even if that's, you know, source, God, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, everything's relationships. That's, that's like at the very foundation of what it means to be human. Hmm. And yeah, relationships are, are, especially your relationship with yourself and with your creator are paramount to the results and the surroundings that you might find yourself in. So if you notice like things are just really chaotic all the time, I really invite you to look at your relationships, starting with yourself and then going externally from there and, and taking note of like, what am I allowing into my space? What am I consistently surrounded by? What are the conversations that are happening between me and myself? <laughs> They're all relationship-based for sure. You change your relationships, you up-level your relationships, you'll up-level your entire life. Mm. That has been absolutely true for me, especially during the times when I've been down. Because, you know, if I choose to hang out with other people that are also just okay, like sitting in the mud and being, and, and I'm not saying like just bypass your feelings. Don't do that. Feel your feelings, let them go through. But if you choose to surround yourself with people, they always say misery loves company, you know, um, guess what? You're going to stay there. I'd rather, what's that Brian Tracy quote, where he says something like, I'd rather fly with eagles than scratch with turkeys. Yeah. That couldn't be more true for me. <laughs> you mentioned the word creator and creative consciousness. And in that context, like what is purpose to you and, and how does, how does it ex get expressed? Purpose. Mm. In what context? Well, I just heard you say the word creator, right? In the creator consciousness. So I'm just really curious. I feel like um, it's a very deliberate choice of wording and purpose is something that a lot of people take into like a business kind of meaning of like, what am I going to create? What am I going to do? But I kind of want to like just tap in a, a level deeper and, and, and just, well, basically maybe start with what's purpose to you. <laughs> Good question. Okay. So I actually think that purpose can be a bit of a deterrent for people, especially if they have a big message or a big vision. Um, attaching that vision or attaching your personality to a purpose that's like defined, I think is a little bit short-sighted because for me, in my own personal experience, my purpose has changed and can change by the hour. But the one thing that I find is the underlying current that I guess you could define as my purpose is, and this actually ties into my legacy too. I want everything and everyone and everywhere to be a little bit better because I was there. And if it could be a lot better, even better. <laughs> but purpose to me, even though the circumstances change or the context through which I'm expressing that purpose may change, um, whether it's professionally or personally, the underlying current for me, my purpose, I guess, if I had to sum it up, 
which I don't like to do. But if I had to sum it up, it would be to make every, everything, everyone, every place I've ever been better because I was there. Um, but I think people get really caught up on this word purpose. Like you have to have one or else you're fucking up. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that because I think as you go through major life stages, like in my twenties, my purpose was very different than, than what it is now. In my twenties, it was to help women get healthy, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, and now, even though that's still one of my passions, I would say that my purpose has been vastly expanded because my life experience has vastly expanded. So I don't know. Does that, does that answer the question? Well, well, it does and it doesn't. I feel like you, you, you did give, well, you shared your own purpose, which I love. I always love when people kind of get really personal about that. And I, I, I hear you about purpose being a deterrent. I felt like the first times I really tapped into like a deeper soul purpose or what I called planetary purpose of my own, I was totally overwhelmed with how to even get started. Like it just felt like something really big that was really hard to break down into like a Kronos, like here 3D tactile kind of way, you know? So the reason why I, I kind of connected it or try to create a, the context to what you call creator consciousness, or maybe let's, let me just ask you like, what is creator consciousness in, in your words then? Well, there's, you can't talk about creator consciousness without talking about victim consciousness, which is the opposite. So we live in a world of duality, and I believe that we always have a choice in, you know, which route we choose to take because we can't necessarily always control the external circumstances, but we can control our perception of them and our response to them. And for me, creator consciousness, this was like a hard lesson for me to learn. Mm. took a long time and a lot of like, I don't think I would have ever learned the difference or the distinction between these two mindsets. Um, unless I had done ALA, to be quite honest, which is a leadership training here in San Diego. Um, but creator consciousness, I believe, is essentially being responsible for it all. So even though we might not be able to control immediately the things that are happening around us in our external circumstances, even the thoughts that you're thinking are planting seeds for how that will be a ripple effect and how that external reality will be shaped in the future. And I don't know if you know much about quantum physics or metaphysics and all of that, but everything is energy at its core. So even feeding thoughts that are not actually contributing to creation, contributing to solution, contributing to peace, harmony, more love, higher frequencies of vibration, even planting or watering the, those negative seeds of like destruction and crunching down and victim consciousness, right? All of those little thoughts that we have lead to beliefs, which lead to behaviors, which lead to external circumstance. And this is like, we're getting like really meta here. But that's, that's all right. That's all right. I, I like it. Yeah. You just like, I have the choice on which side of light or dark we're going to cultivate. Right. And so that's, to me, that's what the, the difference is between creator versus victim consciousness. It's, it's really the, truly the choice between light or dark. And it's not that one is right, wrong, good, or bad. It's more just like which side of that or which, you know, which um, position on the spectrum do you feel better living at? Because it's the same as the emotional spectrum. It's not that your emotions are right, wrong, good, or bad. You can experience high frequency vibration of like joy and bliss and excitement and all of that. And it feels really good. But there is also this attachment to some people get stuck in this cycle of 
depression and sadness and like pain because in a weird sadistic way it also can feel really good Mm -hmm. for the human body to express itself in that way so it's really a spectrum um that kind of shows you like the two sides of it and i hope that makes sense well thanks for for getting a little bit meta here i I think it (laughs) probably makes sense and it's always interesting to hear about like people's perspective on consciousness and on the understanding of how they see their own reality or how we can connect and create more energy or transform the energy that is there in, in the ways that either serve us or serve others or are off service in that sense. Right. And, and so that's, I think why we kind of trailed into that from the, the, the idea of purpose, because for me, one of the words that I'm kind of continuously called to use is planetary purpose. So like us being in kind of a relationship with the earth doesn't even necessarily need to connect to the word climate change because that's a whole other conversation in itself. But I feel like as we are awakened to our responsibility, as you just call it, or creator consciousness, then there's also um, a connection with the planet or a way of how we are in, yeah, in guardianship for earth as we're part of earth in that sense. And so for me, purpose really comes, well, to a degree kind of hand in hand with this understanding of who am I in which environment, because no matter if we're becoming a spacefaring um, species or not, like this is our home planet as it stands right now in this kind of context, right? So purpose and the planet for me are like, I don't know, if you're not watching this, I'm like interlinking my fingers. They're like, they're like one and the same in some ways, you know? Interesting. I, I just enjoy that we went there. That's, that's awesome. Let me ask like a very like earthly question. Um, what are your three favorite places in the world to travel or live in? Oh, golly. There's so many. Uh, San Francisco. I love traveling to San Francisco. That has always been one of my top three favorite cities ever. I lived there for a short period of time, um, but I didn't really like living there. It was a little too cold for me, Mm. but I love visiting there. I don't know something about the energy of the city and the freedom of expression and just like the way it looks amongst the hills and the bridges and all the things. So beautiful. Um, So definitely there. Also Paris, France. So romantic. I mean, can we yeah. just <laughs> amazing and then beyond that i would say where else japan tokyo japan for sure the weirdest nice. place i've ever been it was awesome the you've weirdest never been. place you've ever been yeah oh yeah like just another well i guess if you want to get other planet style like am i in a different planet entirely i actually thailand was more intense Mm. intensely different i guess but tokyo japan was just like out of control they had like neon lights and going in the subway systems it was like i felt like i was in a real life amazing race type video game but i there was no english anywhere and i had to like i started to like macgyver colors and shapes and hope i didn't miss <laughs> the and get bulldozed by like japanese people running super fast because they were late it was just like a whole i felt like i was in a an amusement park the entire time it was it's an amazing culture people it's extremely safe i saw like little four four or five year old girls walking out home from school by themselves i and i couldn't believe it that would never happen here in the u.s Mm. um well never say never there's creative consciousness coming into play (laughs) i hope that happens in the future in the u.s we have a lot to learn from japan and yeah i would say those are my top three for sure interesting i've not been to tokyo japan yet but it's definitely on my list since a while and after this um like hot hot review i, I want to go there it sounds like i'm going to be on a different planet entirely unless i i know japanese which i don't so yeah well yeah. if you do go make sure you go to the robot restaurant shameless plug i'm not like an affiliate of theirs or anything it was just <laughs> go 
coolest experience of my life. Like the weird, if you want to see weird and you want to get like a flavor of Japan, go to the robot restaurant and you'll thank me later. <laughs> nice. Let me ask like a, a little bit more meta question again. What is happiness to you? Happiness. An emotion. Mm. Happiness is simply an emotion. Um, I think a better question is what is fulfillment, which to me is like the next evolution of happiness. Um, happiness to me feels very fleeting. Uh, it's obviously a very feel good emotion. Feels good to be happy. Um, but a layer deeper than that to me is fulfillment, which I don't necessarily see as just an emotion. I see that as more connected to, okay, am I in my purpose? Am I serving, you know, people outside of just myself? Am I making use of the time that I've been gifted here as a human being? Um, but yeah, to me, happiness is simply an emotion. Another question for you. What three things in your life would you not want to miss? What do you mean by miss? Like what you wouldn't want to live without. Oh, does it have to have already happened? Up to you, I guess. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do two that have already happened. And then one that, that, that I, you're know, hoping for. <laughs> I know will be happening. I just don't know when. Um, number one is my family. I was born and raised in Michigan and family values are very, they run very, very deep, not just for me, but for my entire immediate family. And I don't know if, if we do get to pick our families, I picked a really good one. Hmm. So a lot of the things that I do are tied into, you know, leaving the family name and the family legacy and leading that forward. Um, Second would be my dogs. They're like my little spirit buddies. I don't extended know how family. I would. <laughs> yeah, extended furry family. Um, and the third would be the children that I have in the future. I don't have kids now, but I know they're coming. I can feel them. So like family, furry family and more family? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, isn't that what life's all about? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier, everything's relationship, right? If it's relationship with self inside or god or creator or whatever you want to call it or others and I, I i relate i feel like you know we're one big human family and so part of this idea of like generating more narrative for uh, planet home or green planet blue planet as i call it you know or like the, the whole idea behind green planet blue planet i think i told you that before is this idea of like a healthy state or a homeostasis state of earth where we finally can stop talking about all the, the wrong and evil we're doing to each other ourselves and the environment but yeah it basically comes back to family because if we treat ourselves each other and possibly even the environment as family i don't think we'd, we'd be doing the exact same things we're doing uh probably not yeah probably, probably not. not so that's my last question for you liz and it, it, it is um an idea that that got me to start this journey and this is what is your 200 year vision for earth and let me frame it with a little bit of context um, when I think of a 200 year vision, for me, it's not so much about like, what do you think is going to happen in 2200? Like no one knows. Right. But it's more about this idea of like the way, and it happens to be also the indigenous way of looking at the world, a seven generational way of looking at the world. Like what might be important or what values are important or what, what is it that you're hoping for? Or, and what do you see is there? You know? I really hope to be, 
a part of the solution of systemic oppression and unnecessary violence in all forms. Um, that I'm a really strong stand for that. So 200 years from now, I really would love to see just an entire reframing of this whole system. Like the fact that we're operating on a, an old monetary system that doesn't really make sense and is failing us mm -hmm. terribly, you know, it's like, it's hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. So I would hope that 200 years from now, they, you know, humans would be able to come up with some other way. I hope we're still around for one. <laughs> and I hope that there would be some other way to measure value exchange um, and rehabilitate people or educate people who are underprivileged, underserved, um, people and animals, like creatures of all kinds. It's, this is such a broad question, mm. but one of the things that really breaks my heart the most about our current society is the amount of unnecessary rage and violence that occurs across the planet and across species, whether that's emotional violence, whether that's, you know, tearing down or burning, like the rainforest still burning in the Amazon, like all of this unnecessary violence, I would love to see eradicated and transmuted and solved and healed like that. That would be freaking epic. And I think that comes down to systemic change, to be quite frank. How do you think that world would feel? I don't even know. Would it be like the Garden of Eden? <laughs> I have no idea. I can't even like in my current human yeah. awareness, I can't even fathom what a world like that would feel like. Um, Isn't that the most like, I'm going to swear, like the most fucked up thing? That yeah, totally. we, we're like alive on a planet that's like totally, I mean, Garden of Eden, whatever metaphor works for, for everyone listening, but like it's a total paradise. Everything is abundant. Clearly, we have enough food on this planet. We're just distributing it wrong. There's so much proof and like um, science on this abundance that's available. And yet somehow we can't even necessarily picture or feel into what it would feel like to live in a world without harm. And I'm not saying without contrast. I'm not saying without like negative things happening that spark us to do something else. But like without this like oppressive harm that's like basically keeping half of the world under like a poverty line that that's also illusionary in that sense right yeah i don't even i can't currently in my current state of consciousness maybe you and i will refilm this in like 50 years and we'll like already we'll have tapped into some we'll just be world. smiling for 50 yeah. minutes <laughs> yeah, <some> like, <laughs> but as it currently stands i yeah i personally can't even fathom how good it would feel to mm. live in a world like that and also as a little side tangent i think that part of coming to earth and part of choosing the human experience or being born into the human experience is inherently suffering because in the 3d realm like when there's physical there is birth and loss there is start and finish we're time bound so i think part of coming into this state of consciousness as a human being and being in this world it's suffering is inherent to a time bound 3d reality so i don't know i don't know man We'll have to come back. TV, TBC, TV continued. TV continued, exactly. <laughs> well, Liz, thank you, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for, for answering both the meta and the 3D questions. I really appreciate you and love the work you're doing. And there's so much to learn from you. Thank, thank you, you for having me. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life.
into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it. Very much so. And we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you, and until soon. 